0: Welcome to The Spawn episode number 112 for Monday, October 26th, 2020. Where did October go? My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as PixelRTX. Hello. (laughs)
1: Hello. I'm now ray traced in all of my (laughs) glory. Uh, And if you guys are interested in listening to us chat about Hades, Borderlands 3, and what? Minecraft Dungeons can learn from both of those you can check out the render distance the extended version of the podcast that goes out to our patrons We're also recording the show live in discord And if you want to get access to all of that stuff You can head over to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and pledge at any level there Uh, it's been fun chatting about that stuff and we have a little bit of Minecraft Dungeons news coming up But first I feel like we should, uh, you know Do our usual quick login and
0: chat about what's new in our Minecraft lives. So how about you go first Joel? I have had a very simple approach this weekend. Uh, I have been working on this entry zone into the medieval realm on the Citadel over the last few streams. And I've completed most of the main road. The only thing left is a very long staircase, which after the previous staircase, I was just like, I don't have the seven hours that this is going to take to get right, which is my own fault because I'm a perfectionist. So uh, the tower that you arrive in has a wall around it, which serves two fun... Functions one, it looks kind of cool, and two, it keeps most of the riff uh in terms of the new uh, area of the server away because, as you can imagine, it is dark everywhere. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, if you arrive in just the tower, you were met by Mob Central. So yeah. we now have kind of like a small perimeter that's well lit and has a wall around it. Now, it's still creepers and zombies can still walk in because, for the aesthetics, we wanted the gate to be open and, and not be like a, a tiny door that you have to walk through. So, um, so there's that. But uh, I went straight down the Minecraft trope of like a medieval building this past uh, weekend. And I, I remember tapping back into things that I learned from my time on uh, the Realm of Vasten with the friend of the show Fix It. And I did a large asymmetrical gate, which was the most challenging. I did a medium kind of like thick, sturdy gate uh, with a two block center and a parapet, which was... Uh, challenging but not as challenging as the first and then i did a small gate which was just it didn't have like an arch over the top it was more like just like a big fence it just again like a a heavy sturdy looking thing but really it's just a door and uh having that variety around the the courtyard really helped and to kind of like determine like where the player should go you can go in any direction you want but like the big gate is kind of like the first thing that you see yeah and so i wanted that to have like a tower And instead of having two towers, a lot of times people do like um, two evenly sized towers on either side of the road. I did a big tower with like a crow's nest on top of it. And then I did a small tower on the other side and the only function of the small tower on the other side is just to give it something sturdy that it looks like the gate could swing closed sure yeah like just just like a
1: fence post almost kind of thing Yeah, Yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah and so uh i used nether brick fences to make a large kind of like metal looking gate uh i have a black nether brick texture but i think the natural nether brick texture would also work if you don't have a texture back uh and uh and everything is stone stone bricks um you know spruce wood spruce logs that kind of stuff uh big enough scale that it was okay to do a sloped roof on it but not so big that it was uh, gargantuan the the hardest thing about it was because it's closer to you the player when you look at the build i didn't want it to be too big that it overpowered the tower so that was challenging and i i actually i did not successfully do it in the first stream i ended up uh having to return to it later on and, and fix it up um but the other thing that i really enjoy with these is uh, doing two by two logs or three by three logs as as like um, side posts to your gates. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody defaults to just one block kind of like posts a lot of the times. And man, when I was on Vastin, just making things chunkier, making things bigger than you think that they may should be uh, really helps. It really gives you more room to play with. It gives your doors a lot more depth. So you have like extra things, extra layers, like stairs and fences and things that you can kind of put in the corners to kind of really give it some detail. And, uh, they just feel chunky. I like it, you know, mm-hmm. like it, 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 feels like two large trees were cut down and put on on other side of this, of this gate. And, uh, the parapet was challenging. Cause again, you're dealing with a two wide build. So when you're dealing with, you know, the, the up and down pattern, like the zipper pattern of a, of a parapet, when you've got a two central blocks, it's challenging so that was interesting um and then the the other one was just really simple i just i just capped the the logs with stone and called it done and it worked out really well um i uh i think i have to check i do you in your regular vanilla gameplay when you put a spruce door next to a spruce trap door are they identical like do they have the same color
1: basically they are i think
0: yeah yeah Um, i've definitely seen mine i noticed the difference
1: yeah, I've I've seen people extending spruce doors with a trap door on top if they want something that's three blocks high. That's what I've done. Yeah, yeah that's what
0: I've done. And I I think I have the vanilla tweaks um, 3D doors right. Texture yeah, pack. Uh-huh. and so I'm wondering if maybe the texture pack to that is either not updated or maybe I tweaked it before the trap the other trap doors came out. And so now I have to go and like double check it because there's definitely a difference that I'm seeing. Whereas I don't see that difference with the the, um, dark oak. The dark oak they match totally yeah so I, I i think i might have to maybe it's just me i have to double check my texture pack but it just, just dawned me um after i finished everything and kind of was showing it off on stream i was like oh wow that actually you can see the seam between the two normally I don't yeah think you can, I, so. I
1: think that may also be an aspect of how each one is lit because i think the block oh, lighting might yeah. have something to do with it there might be a bit of a shadow around the bottom of the trapdoor that is giving it away i've never seen right. it I, I don't know if i've ever really seen it work seamlessly with a door to a trapdoor, but I, I think it's mm. the kind of thing that people overlook in the grander scheme of things when they're looking at the overall build but then when you get up close it's probably going to be noticeable either way unless you get rid of that shadow anyway which is mm. i think what people do when they turn off um sort of optifine internal shaders or whatever it is uh when they they kind of uh eliminate a lot of the shadowy stuff that happens on blocks and it brightens everything up and that may end up fixing mm. it but it's probably not an aesthetic that you want to go with personally um yeah so yeah we'll we'll yeah. see i don't know if it's if it's that or if it's uh, something else with your texture packs
0: but Looking I'm looking f- I'm looking forward to doing big builds now. I know they take longer and so you get kind of like, not burnt out, but you can get kind of like, oh gosh, I can't wait for this to be done sort of mm-hmm. feeling. But I really like the bigger builds and the scale and we don't have that scale in other places with the exception of, say like the modern city, but it's a diff- completely different aesthetic. Um, so when you build large, large things, have you messed around with pillars that are like three by three or five by five? Like I mean, we're talking like big big kind of stuff have you done anything like that before i've done more natural looking
1: stuff with that when it comes to pillars it's it's less stuff that seems you know man-made and more like you know pillars of rock that are just part of a cave system so I, i haven't really messed around with more kind of structured pillars in that way so Yeah, not sure I have a huge amount of advice to offer there when it comes to that stuff. There's probably a couple of things that might qualify in the castle build, but I can't remember specifically anything I did, and most of that was largely flat walls and just a bit of texture anyway. Nice. So what have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to quite a lot. It's been a very busy week of Minecraft for me. Um, Not least the Minecraft RTX collab with NVIDIA and scan.co.uk. Um full disclosure, three sponsored episodes on my channel. Uh, NVIDIA sent me a 3080 graphics card so that I could do some uh, ray tracing Minecraft for a short-lived survival series, uh, which is of course in Bedrock Edition, and it's more or less the vanilla survival progression. So I started out with nothing, you know, did the the caving experience with ray traced lighting, um, went to the nether, got some blaze rods, started farming skeletons, that kind of stuff, and then Uh, when they send me a little bit more hardware they are planning on sending me a custom pc build that's why uh, scan.co.uk are involved Uh, i'm going to come back and do two more episodes where i locate the stronghold go and fight the dragon and potentially do some time lapse stuff in rtx as well which is going to be really exciting Um, it will be the first time that i've owned two rtx capable pcs before (laughs) so that's going to be really fun i'm planning on logging in with one as the camera account to take a look at everything and record everything in 4K and then log in with the other PC and have an account running around building stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. And to be honest, the the whole RTX experience, I could do a full episode on that one of these days, but it's really quite interesting how it changes survival because suddenly you place down a torch and if there's no blocks around you for the light to kind of bounce off of and show you like the edges of textures and where stuff is, it does virtually nothing it's like holding up a torch in the middle of a forest you just don't see anything around you except for maybe a couple of trees and you don't know what else is out there whereas you know you're expecting a torch to go down and then for you know a 15 block radius or so to be illuminated it doesn't work that way even though mechanically it still works that way and i think that's one of the things i was trying to do with the with the series so far is point out how mechanically underneath this kind of like fancy wrapping they've added to it it's still the same game so even though the torches don't look like the light is extending very far you're still mob proofing that area Um, but yeah going caving I realized that Normally I put my torches on the side of the cave wall so that I can follow them on the way back, but that wasn't providing adequate illumination that I could see the rest of the cave around me, even if it was providing enough light for the game. So I think I was learning a few things as I went and doing stuff much differently to how I would have done it, just so I could interact with the light a little bit better and use the light more strategically as i was caving which was really quite interesting a really fun way of uh, of exploring the the early game minecraft experience
0: i've watched the first two i haven't seen the third one yet but i i remember just being so um not baffled but like th- th- it just kind of dawned on me as as you were explaining it on 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 uh, on the video i was like oh yeah like this is really like a, a, a torch on the side of the cave did nothing Like you just you really had to put it right in the middle Mm -hmm. and and uh i would i would get kind of like because that's i do the same thing that you do i put torches on one side so that i can follow it back on the reverse side so i don't get lost yeah and and if you have to put them all in the middle like well what were you doing to to like indicate your directions or were you just not exploring that far
1: uh the the caves i got into thankfully weren't like a complete rat's nest of tunnels so i was kind of okay um i I tend to navigate a lot by landmarks and because of how much minecraft i play i tend to get very used to situations like that where i'm remembering which way to go Mm. but really it just came down to you know maybe placing the occasional torch on a cave wall here and there or like marking a couple of torches in a vertical line when i was like okay you need to go up here you know if there was like a turn that i would have missed where i'd made an artificial staircase or something like that um and it just kind of blended in with everything but yeah i think it it's a really interesting and you know of course they haven't sponsored me talking about this on the podcast so this is all entirely my own thoughts i still think it's a really interesting look at what minecraft can be it's just another tool in our toolkit at this point the rtx stuff and i'm really looking forward to it being eventually coming out of beta getting a full release and being more widely available to people because i think as an option with these gpus obviously you know coming into circulation now and hopefully becoming more available in future it's going to be a really interesting option for people to use if people want to mess around with light in their builds and come up with uh, you know some stuff that looks a little bit more realistic but maybe changes the survival gameplay a little bit to make it more of a challenge then mm. then that's really interesting kind of like harkens back to the days when like walking into a forest at night with no light sources felt scary and you weren't like right. you weren't s- sort of super confident and taking on the zombies and the creeper would you know jump scare you around a tree like it, it
0: definitely felt like that experience of minecraft again for me so with the rtx and, and the building experience you know to get into that side of things like do you find that the blocks that you're choosing and the textures that you're choosing in your builds because i know that you you built a house or at least you got the, a solid start to one in the last video yeah. that i watched mm-hmm. uh do you find that the the way that the light is happening in rtx is changing the block selection that you would normally go with like have you gone to your old trusty you know oak wood and gone like whoa actually this doesn't look that good yeah you know, I, that, or that kind of thing spruce
1: wood is still great <laughs> that's my main takeaway <laughs> from it yeah spruce wood is still my go-to but yes i I I kind of found myself, if, if nothing else, favoring a simpler block palette. I wasn't trying to put too much variation into everything because... The light was making it look pretty enough. It's the same with shaders, really, though. Like, it's the kind of thing where if you build a wall out of one material in vanilla without shaders, you just kind of go, oh, this looks kind of plain. And then you put shaders on it and you're like, wait a minute, no, it doesn't. It actually looks quite pretty. And I think it's just something about like the enhanced graphics, maybe a bit of anti aliasing, the fact that everything looks a little bit smoother and a little bit more natural that's the kind of stuff that because you don't have that in vanilla minecraft you want to put some variation in there to make it feel sort of real and and that's the only way you get the option to make something look a bit more realistic whereas i think with shaders and with rtx you don't need that as much so if anything i was keeping plainer walls and and you know plainer structural elements and not doing too much over texturing because on top of the light it kind of felt like overkill in a way um, mm-hmm. And I'm still learning about that stuff, and I haven't had the opportunity to do so much building because I, this is all in a survival world, and I haven't really had the chance to acquire that many resources yet. If it was the kind of thing where I had as many resources as I do in Survival Guide, then maybe I'd come up with something a little different. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, as it was, uh, didn't really have access to much, was still working with stone brick and wood, uh, but managed to get a decent amount out of it. Um beyond that uh beyond the whole rtx series this weekend i spent a lot of time in minecraft casually building jupiter uh because <laughs> as one does as one does <laughs> yes uh this has been in the works for a little while but uh my good uh friend and dearly departed moderator Paranor um was also part of a Uh, a community called CosmoQuest who are an online community of science, outreach, educators and, uh, you know, astronomy folks who are just really interested in the study of space and what lies beyond the boundary of Earth and Earth itself in some cases. Um, And they have an annual uh hangout-a-thon event where they do a really long live stream it's 36 hours this year and they try and like raise some money and raise awareness of what they do and get some more funding for the next year's worth of content they make podcasts they do live twitch shows interviews all of that kind of stuff and uh one of Paranor's uh, suggestions before he sadly passed away was that this year they try and build a scale model of the solar system on a minecraft server and they set that up with help from some folks from the Hot Dishes community, the 8-Bit community, and they had an overworld area where there was just like a welcome center and you could build some stuff around it, people were building space shuttles and launch pads and observatories and stuff like that in the overworld, and then you could teleport out into a void world that was basically representing the vacuum of space and all of the planets were built there to scale and to the appropriate distances for that scale which was pretty wild because wow the maximum size they went with was jupiter jupiter was 256 blocks wide and i'm going to drop a couple of images into our live chat here in discord um folks will probably be able to see those in the show notes as well But um, yeah, I I got to work on Mars first and then moved on to Jupiter because with the scale of Mars, with Jupiter being (laughs) 256 blocks, Mars was only about 16 blocks diameter. So uh, you kind of felt like you didn't have enough detail to put into Mars and Jupiter was just this monolithic task. Um, But I was working from a reference image that I found on Wikipedia and a lot of people were kind of fine using whatever images you could find accuracy was not necessarily the main point of the task it was much more about you know just getting our interpretation of what the planets would look like and uh yeah just kind of working from there the welcome center for the space section was actually in the center of the sun's core and that was still generated to scale but obviously cut off by the build height uh that was enormous (laughs) like if you if you consider jupiter was a really really big thing when you were there the sun was just just wildly big and it really helped to put a lot of that stuff in perspective and a lot of the stuff that they were talking about from you know the the people who are visiting on the stream and the sheer enormity of so many of the things about the solar system in general Uh, But it was just a fun, chill build project, to be honest. We were all doing this in creative mode, of course, because for a start we were out in the void, but also, you know, there was no way we'd be able to gather resources for that in survival over the weekend. Um, And we were mainly making Jupiter out of sandstone and bone blocks, diorite, white wool, uh, some red and orange terracotta for some of the storms, and trying to get some of the kind of, you know, the, the weather patterns, the gaseous atmosphere Jupiter has. And it just yeah it was a really really fun project um i was popping in and out of their stream chatting to them about minecraft and you know people were giving updates every hour on how the progress of the project was going but they managed to get most of the other planetary bodies of the solar system done i think they're still working on jupiter and saturn uh but you had you know various things asteroids and uh moons of some of the planets that kind of stuff was all represented in this space diorama but when i say to scale Uh, because of the way they wanted to lay everything out, they also wanted the distances between planets to be to scale as well. So when I teleported out to Jupiter, I was teleporting out a million blocks (laughs) from the center of the project where the sun was. And of course, you know, that being 1 million meters, but to scale with Jupiter being, you know, 256 meters wide, that's actually like a much bigger distance in real space. But because it was a void world, that wasn't causing any lag for the server because there was no terrain. So... I think it actually nice. it actually worked out quite well didn't find any performance issues the server held up really well and yeah it was it was a really good time
0: That's really really cool uh, the way that Jupiter looks is is fantastic I mean even the in progress pictures that you've shared is is just really really interesting to think of when you when you start breaking things down into scale and and you, sometimes you know as creative builders you know you, we kind of forget that sometimes Minecraft can be used for science and education and and because everything does have a measure to it in the game you can translate stuff you know as long as you can handle the math then you can translate a lot of things in into into Minecraft and I I remember when i was a kid when you know you first just started to learn about the solar system and said like hey by the way this thing that you live on the entire planet it's like this big it's like the yeah. head of a pin mm-hmm. you know like next to the sun or whatever and i've always like that sort of thing has always fascinated me uh, and uh and yeah like that's just that's really really cool and it, it's really um it throws it into perspective pardon the pun um, of Mars being sixteen blocks wide.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it was really great. It was funny seeing yeah. all that stuff, and it, everything had been generated using World Edit, so there were glass spheres out there in the void for us to basically replace the blocks or skin over the ah, uh, nice. the blocks. Um, it wasn't it, it had to be replaced in the case of Jupiter because you just couldn't build any higher or lower than that. Um, but yeah, with with some of the others, they kind of skinned over the top of them, and they were a great bunch of people. They had some really fun in jokes about you know various planets and some people were really excited to do the moons of saturn and that kind of thing. So that was mm. really fun and it was a really great way to spend the weekend. It was a lot more casual than a lot of the the stuff that I normally do and I don't do much creative building. So mm-hmm. uh, that was super nice. Also a really nice juxtaposition juxtaposition from what I'm going to be doing the rest of this week which is counting down the last 900 or so ancient debris I need to get the netherite beacon. I'm planning on wrapping that up next tuesday uh so i'm gonna do my regular streams this week probably try to get about 500 more and then do the last 404 on a stream we're gonna do 404 stream not found and uh yeah that's gonna be the the end of the netherite beacon project probably do a survival guide video on that after that and then uh go Mm. back to what i was doing before which was mainly chopping
0: trees nice very very cool Well, moving on into the news, Uh, Java Edition is moving house. We'll have a link to this article on Minecraft.net. Rather than going into too much detail explaining it, I'm just going to read you some quotes directly from the article. Moving forward, all our games will require a Microsoft account to play, including Minecraft Java Edition. Why? Think of it as moving house. When you outgrow one place, you move on to the next. It involves a logistic effort, but once you're settled into your new home, you realize. Uh, you'd do it 10 times over just for that extra room. Except in our case, the extra room is all of these features from which all Microsoft accounts will benefit. Increased security for your account with optional two-factor authentication. In other words, it's harder for someone to access your account without your permission. All PC Minecraft games will be connected to the same account. Currently that's Minecraft and Minecraft Dungeons, but who knows what'll be next. Improved parental controls to help keep kids safe when playing online and chat and invitation blocking. Now, to be clear, migration from Mojang to Microsoft accounts is mandatory. If you don't make this move in several months, you won't be able to log in anymore, which means you won't be able to play either. But no need to worry because we'll give you a detailed and clear set of instructions on how to do so. You'll get the information you need through this site, there's a link to the FAQ on the, on the article, videos on our YouTube channel, and even emails straight to your inbox. Uh, And there's also a Java account migration video, a fun little two-minute video from Dinnerbone uh, on on YouTube. Uh, And to quote, (laughs) to quote Dinnerbone, hey, don't forget about all the security features and all the benefits of migrating. It's not just a cape. Uh, You get a cape when you complete the migration for your in-game Minecraft skin. Uh, There is also a tweet. uh, Mojang support reminded people via Twitter that an email from Mojang will be the only way to migrate your account Anything else is someone trying to get your login info. We'll have a link to that tweet as well in the show notes.
1: Yes. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons Apocalypse Plus mode also released today. Uh, Along with the spooky fall event we covered last week, Minecraft Dungeons is releasing Apocalypse Plus. Uh, This is going to offer 20 new levels of difficulty beyond apocalypse mode, each with its own challenges and the offer of more powerful and unique gear. Spooky Fall starts now and runs until November 3rd, it has some Halloween themed gear which looks to be mostly cosmetic reskins of existing weapons, armour and artefacts, but there could be some hidden surprises in there. Uh, We got a link to a tweet which is somebody showing off a corrupted pumpkin weapon which basically looks like a reskin of the corrupted beacon, but I'm not certain if that's the case or not. So as far as um, Microsoft account migration, uh, I imagine this is going to be a complicated one for some people just because people are going to be like, oh, Microsoft, you know? And I imagine that what Mojang is doing here is a lot of damage control when it comes to people thinking, well, this is just another step in the pro the the, the slow progress of them killing off Java edition. Absolutely not the case. <laughs> um, I think the... For a start, the cape is a smart way of getting people to take it more seriously and actually pay attention instead of just dwelling on the, uh, Microsoft factor. Um, but speaking of somebody who's had one of my accounts stolen in the past, I, I use a second account for camera stuff, and that's been stolen twice, um, either by people guessing my password or just brute forcing it until they got into my account. Um, I would like two-factor authentication by any means necessary at this point, and it seems... Entirely likely that everything is just going to run exactly the same as it did before You're still going to have access to the launcher the same mods you used before a lot of mod launcher Creators are already going to be aware of this and they'll be updating accordingly So I don't really see much problem with this Um, And as long as it's still as painful as painless as possible to switch accounts from within the minecraft launcher I'm happy. I think you do need a a Microsoft account or you set up a microsoft account when you log into windows 10 and so I'm hoping that it's going to be easy to separate
0: that login from the login you use for the Minecraft launcher. So I already had a Microsoft account from Xbox Gaming. So it's not like I even have to cur- like create one. Um, I think it's also the same account that I use for Skype because Microsoft bought Skype a while yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this wasn't like I have to join the, you know, the, the Microsoft um, ecosphere. I was already part of it. Uh, I've, I've seen people in my own community and, and, you know, kind of like chirping in and saying like, nah, this is, I don't like this sort of thing, usually met quite quickly, uh, much like you, by someone who has had their account hacked in the past and saying like, hey, I'd much rather have a much larger, much faster to react Microsoft tech support uh, to uh, account hacking versus a smaller probably overrun mojang tech support oh yeah oh yeah uh, you like, know i try to get feedback and stuff you know
1: i have no doubt that's one of the reasons internally that they're very happy about this change because yeah, yeah i for, from the the few cases i've seen of people online complaining about mojang support it's always account issues and yeah. if if microsoft can deal with that and they have a much larger support team for it then that is that is going to benefit everybody Um, anybody who needs to email them is probably going to have a much smoother process than contacting Mojang who obviously are a small team as we know them as far as development goes they're a much broader team in terms of the whole scope of the the company and people working on Minecraft but still best-selling game in the world (laughs) with a relatively small support team you're gonna just by virtue of the numbers you are going to get so many people who are left waiting for a response feel disappointed they haven't heard back for a couple of weeks and it's their minecraft account it means so much to them and I, Mm -hmm. i really hope that what we see is a smooth transition process some people adopting it and then realizing nothing has changed and then everyone just going on
0: business as usual i really don't see this being a problem no and i know that i mean people in the minecraft market space uh, i'll try to find a link to the verge article that i read they've been asking for two-factor authentication for like three years yes you know because there's money involved there like there's there's a uh, you know people's livelihoods in some cases uh i i see a lot of comments online from people talking about like you know another company wanting my information and stuff like that ironically these comments are made on twitter twitch (laughs) uh and even discord and you're like well but you understand that you're using the internet right uh i think unfortunately some companies have different reputation you know different reputations and different social we'll say gut reaction uh the closest thing that i can remember in recent Um, months would be that Facebook now requires a Facebook account in order to use an Oculus Quest 2. Yeah. Which should surprise no one. Like any, any company that has a large software product out there that people use costs money and has either virtual goods virtual content or just as tied to your you know your your day-to-day you need a login i have a login for adobe you know like you know i use photoshop and the adobe creative suite all the time it's no different than me using anything else Um, uh, i use you know you and i both use minecraft in various levels for our day jobs you know like it just it's it's uh it's important and having two-factor authentication is even if i uh, which i'm not but even if i was someone who's like microsoft i would still want the two-factor authentication <laughs>
1: yeah definitely i don't need to i don't need to wear a cape as a result of this but i'm sure a lot of people will be happy about having a cape i think the th- the thing about capes as well as they've historically always been a scarcity thing so it kind of has that thing of like well if everybody has this then it isn't special but i don't know maybe some people feel a little bit happier about having them we'll see um yeah, moving on from that, I guess uh, Minecraft Dungeons Apocalypse Plus um, might not quite uh, factor into your play of Minecraft Dungeons if you haven't uh, still haven't fin- finished the default game. But I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a fun extension to the game. Might end up streaming it as a bonus stream sometime this week, and uh, I'm definitely going to log in and just check out what the Spooky Fall stuff is. Again, if it's just cosmetic, I'm not that concerned about it. But I think it's still going to be fun to mess around with whatever they think about adding and maybe give some feedback on that for how they'll end up doing uh, these Mm. sort of timed events in future because that's definitely a way to extend the life of the game beyond just adding new DLC to it.
0: Yeah, I should log in today and try to play it. I've been thinking about actually getting it back into Minecraft Dungeons and just trying to brute force the boss. After some punishing boss fights in Borderlands, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm sure if I go back and attempt, <laughs> yeah, I can I can get through and and maybe enjoy some of the DLC which I already own. <laughs> so, uh, and 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 I haven't even explored the new camp, you know, in in Minecraft Dungeons. So I think that could be kind of fun to to take a look at as well. Um, I'm looking forward to any kind of like spooky content uh we mentioned in the uh the opening that in pre-show we were talking about borderlands borderlands has a halloween event going on right now too mm-hmm. um and so it's a spooky lands or something like that so like th- those kind of things are always fun I, I like it when games grab like cultural holidays and cultural events and kind of fold them into the fun and minecraft dungeons is just a ripe for that like i can't wait to start beating up zombies with a candy cane in december like that's just going to be <laughs> you know uh if that happens that would be fantastic you know I, yeah. i'd love to have something like that something like that happen that'd be super uh, what do you great. think we uh we jump into some email
1: definitely yes uh we got one here starting off uh we got a few shorter emails this week because we didn't have a uh chunk mail dispenser earlier in the week on account of uh, earlier in the month rather on account of uh, all of the news coming out of minecraft live and being excited to chat about that but we got a few emails here starting with this one from kokoro Daki, uh who's a landscape artist member of our discord. Uh, The subject is the future of emerald ore. Hey guys, uh, with the mountain biome and cave generation getting major changes in 1.17, I think there's some potential for emerald ore to be changed in some way. It's a very nice block, but aside from collecting the ore, introducing new players to villager trading, and some niche building uses, there's not really much to do with emerald ore. You can get emeralds from it, but there are far more reliable sources of emeralds. Do you guys think there's something more Mojang can do with emerald ore? Or do you think it's fine staying the way it is personally? I'm not sure right now where I stand on that. Keep it shiny, y'all. How's that for an email ending? Kokorodaki. Well, thank you so much for the email. And emerald ore is a block near and dear to my heart. As anybody who's watched my videos or my streams will know, I, I really like collecting emerald ore because, like you said, there are no real reasons to break it, to fortune it. And so I silk touch every block I find and I, gen- I generally hoard them like a dragon. And that is the use I have for Emerald Ore. How about you, Joel? Do you do you encounter Emerald Ore all that much?
0: I don't actually. And I think it's just because uh, the my main mine is in a swamp. And yeah, so uh-huh. I just haven't really run into it. The mine has not extended into the nearby uh, mountain biome. And once it does, I'm probably going to run into some Emerald Ore. Um, I remember seeing it in a mine shaft, i think i've seen it in one of my mineshafts in in the world must inter in interconnect with a, a mountain biome um i find that with minecraft a lot of the ores can eventually be turned into blocks iron gold uh redstone even um but i wonder not all of them can be turned into ingots i wonder if there's potential for emerald ingots made only from smelting emerald ore 'Cause you can't smelt it and you can't really do anything with it. Might be a good way to fold in an extra use for the blast furnace, which doesn't do a heck of a lot currently. Uh and as for what you could do with that ingot, that that's where I'm just like, well, I don't know. Uh we'd have to speculate on a whole update, I think, for that. Um, my experience with modding uh in the last little while, I I'd like to see alloys, like smelting and alloys become a thing in Minecraft. I think that would be a really interesting Kind of like sub game, you know, like a sub management thing about turning like, because we've got copper coming, uh, in in one seventeen. So being able to have like an emerald ingot or a redstone ingot or. know obviously having a copper ingot like all that kind of stuff just kind of like it starts to get real close to what i'm hoping would be some sort of alloy or combo smelting uh situation because i think that i think now again what you could do with it i don't know like i don't think we necessarily need more weapons people tend to go straight to diamond or you know anyway so i don't think another tier of weapons is really necessary but i just think about what you could do with it in terms of maybe making existing blocks but just getting different colors like we we know that people use hoppers from a building perspective for things like railings and different kind of like um uh, pillars and things like that well what if you had like a greenish hopper like what if what if those typical iron metal things in minecraft like cauldrons hoppers um fence uh, not fence gates iron bars like what if they could be tinted you know by using different um ores and stuff with them that just just could open up a realm of possibility
1: yeah, uh, my sister is a science teacher and recently got in touch with me asking what ores there were in minecraft so that she could teach a lesson about ores and how they're extracted from the ground in real life. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that emerald being a gemstone doesn't necessarily have the same sort of properties for smelting that stuff like iron and copper would. I, I can't imagine them not adding in copper ingots, because presumably if you're digging up copper ore, then there needs to be some way to extract it before you can turn it into a block, unless that's like copper sheets or something like that, in the same way we get netherite scrap. I imagine that's probably going to be an ingot of some kind, but yeah, I feel like emerald ingots still feel a little bit more modded in the sense that I don't know if they're planning to to do anything like that that goes outside of the realm of real world physics. Even though yeah. my- Minecraft yeah. is not
0: necessarily known for having real world physics everywhere. Um, well, maybe maybe we can go the way of like um, using an emerald as a stone and and embedding it into something like I re- if yeah. I remember my my Diablo three days, you could pick up certain gems, and if you're gear had sockets you could then put you know amethyst or emerald or topaz or whatever in those sockets and they would have different effects sure yeah you want want to have
1: something decorative in it that's that sounds like perfectly plausible to me and it actually ties in a little bit to what we want to discuss after we're done reading emails which is stuff like crystal caves i'm wondering if there is the option for some of these gemstone type things to be found as crystals rather than as ore blocks but we'll Mm. we'll get into that a little bit later i think we should move on to our next email
0: sure next one comes from gundar h striker landscape artist member of our discord redstone landmarks Hey Joel and Picks. I have a short question observation with a lot of potential for discussion, so here it goes. With the announcement of wireless redstone, quote unquote, in the form of skulk sensors, a lot more complex redstone machines, piston doors being what I'm thinking in mind, uh, will become more simple and straightforward to build. As someone who joined Minecraft a few weeks after 1.15 came out, I never experienced a world without observers or comparators. These seem to make Redstone much easier to use than the average for the average user, and I was wondering what other features, when added, completely revolutionized an aspect of the game. Two examples that I hear often on the show are Elytra for fast travel, as well as shulker boxes for storage. There are, once again, things that I take for granted as a newcomer. What are your thoughts? Chunks out Gundar um for me gundar my i started minecraft just before 1.12 uh came out so the addition later on of 1.13 and the water mechanics and water uh elevators is what the big technical change to everything that comes to mind for me while it's not technically run redstone there are parts of redstone farms that really do benefit and change the way that redstone kind of like was approached i think as a whole with sorting systems now that you can trans you know with the item transportation and all that kind of stuff um so it's tied to redstone in that way and bubble columns can be detected by observers so i i've not been around long enough to have a big uh change to redstone like uh the um the the skulk sensors i think the closest thing and maybe the biggest thing are honey blocks but i don't I don't see them as quite as groundbreaking as the Skulk sensors. Uh, they're cool, but we already had slime blocks. So I don't know that honey blocks really rank in, in that range of what you're shooting for. Um, in terms of me speculating, in terms of like what might have happened before, I think comparators, which you did mention in your email, were probably like a major component change. And before that, and I was definitely not around for this, I would imagine that sticky pistons probably opened a lot of doors
1: Pun <laughs> very good yeah um i I I started playing minecraft on the Xbox 360 edition before. Uh horses were a thing. And so I remember being very excited that I could get a horse when I moved to the Java edition of the game and that felt like a transport revolution to me, having had to explore worlds on foot or by minecart before. And then, of course, worlds only being about eight hundred and fifty blocks wide in the Xbox three sixty edition, it really felt like I had a lot further to travel when I moved to Java. And so, uh yeah, horses felt like a revolution to me. Now of course we have Elytra, as you said, which have kind of revolutionized transport in a completely different way. And the example Gunda gave in that email uh, is it for me. Observers. Observers were huge in my understanding of redstone and my kind of comprehension of how some technical projects could be executed because before before that the only way to make a block update detector was using slime blocks and redstone blocks and sticky pistons in various combinations that would give an update to the sticky piston and that was very confusing to me that was an aspect that i I looked into but did not feel at all intuitive It was the kind of thing that had come out of, you know, player experimentation and a lot of emergent behavior rather than intentional game features. And it was because that kind of stuff was not possible in the Bedrock Edition of the game that the Observer block was introduced to Bedrock Edition entirely. And then everyone thought, well, hang on, that's a really good idea. How about we have that in Java as well? And so the Observer was kind of adopted into everything, you know, Redstone and observers have really made redstone circuits a lot more easy for me it's nice and easy to generate a very short pulse which can do a lot of things um it allows for you know a pulse to reach a certain part of the circuit before it reaches another part and that can lead to some very easy activation of some redstone components in specific ways and also in java edition allows for you know a one tick pulse will detach a block from the front of a sticky piston which makes certain redstone doors very easy to make so yeah, for me it's it's really been observers and that's a boring example and one you already gave but it really is that for me. That's that that has felt like one of the biggest changes to help my, my the furthering of my understanding of the game from the last little while.
0: And I think that's what I've heard from a lot of the redstone like deep dive people that I follow yeah. when they talk about the history of redstone at, at any point in their videos usually observers are like the the cats meow, right?
1: Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, we've got a kind of tied-in email here coming up from Damuka, who is another Landscape Artist member, says, Hi guys, a patron and long-time listener here. With Bedrock Edition and Java Edition becoming ever closer, what feature from Bedrock would you love to have in Java, or vice versa? For me, playing Bedrock, quasi-connectivity would be a big one, or just Redstone parity in general. It's super frustrating seeing all these awesome farms and Redstone contraptions that I can't build. Keep on chunking, Damuka. Um... And so I I don't know how much experience of Bedrock you have at this point, Joel, because you have a Windows PC now, having historically been a Mac player, but have you really dived into Bedrock all that much?
0: I opened it up to mess around a little bit in Creative one time, just to kind of like, you know, make sure that the game version worked and and, uh, other things. I'm trying to remember why I did it. I think I downloaded it because I had the free version with when I purchased Java, I had the code to install it. And i don't remember what i was doing in it maybe i was exploring an update or looking at textures or or whatever but uh i found the the biggest thing for me was just the ui change was very odd uh it, it just felt strange to me yeah um and i think uh one thing i pointed out in in i think to you in a dm this week was watch after watching your rtx video is that i found that the pov is different it's like you set it to 70 in both Java and, and Bedrock, and I don't think they look the same, uh, even though it should look the same. And so that was a little bit strange. Um, but the things that I, I would like to see as far as parody goes that I know about, because I've don't i never really played Played Bedrock. Uh, I should really um, pick um, fix its brain about this because he's got a full series right now on, on Bedrock play. Um, but things that would make sense, and I can't as ignorant as I am to the under the hood side of bedrock, I can't think of a good reason why they don't have things like this be the same. Example being not being able to place things on top of a trapdoor. Like I use trapdoors for shelves and for cool little things like that all the time. And and you can't put like flower pots on top of them in bedrock, or at least you couldn't the last time I checked. So stuff like that to me is weird.
1: I have a little bit of insight into why some of that stuff is the case and there's a few people in our live chat chipping in with some of the stuff that, that they want in terms of parity uh rtx being one of them actually it's kind of funny that uh, yeah f- a few folks yeah. are very keen on having rtx in java and i think that really that really comes down to performance the idea that bedrock is kind of coded for performance um and the the main thing there is uh the fact that bedrock is cross-platform the fact that bedrock is available to mobile players and is the same version just with a slightly different control interface on current consoles on windows 10 on mobile devices that you happen to be playing it on and that i think is the reason you don't get stuff like being able to play stuff on trapdoors because right clicking on a touchscreen interface has got to be difficult enough to register it as a gesture that is separate from just clicking you know uh, we get so used to taking for granted uh you know using a mouse whereas to play stuff on top of trapdoors for example you have to crouch and then a right click and i don't know how you would do that on the the mobile edition of the game granted i'm not a mobile player i'm not familiar with the control scheme there i imagine there is something you can hold down on screen and then maybe tap with two fingers instead of one or something like that but then it just becomes an increasingly complex system of gestures that you have to perform simple tasks with and i think that's why offhand support for example never got fully implemented in bedrock edition in the way that it is in java because then differentiating between a left click and a right click also becomes now what do you do with the offhand behaviors as well so that's why jo- uh, bedrock players can't hold torches in their offhand or hold a second tool in their offhand to be mended um and it's why you know the shield interaction all of the shield usage happens by crouching instead of by holding right click maybe crouching is like a toggle on uh, on mobile versions i'm not sure but it mm. it still works slightly differently and the control scheme is going to
0: muddle stuff like that um so a couple examples that are actually really simple in, in our live chat right now cosmic was mentioning being able to bone meal sugar cane. yes uh, which you can't do in <laughs> it's java it's been very uh, useful
1: for me in bedrock edition getting a an enchanting setup done nice and quickly
0: and being able to put banners on shields in bedrock like that to me doesn't sound like it would be prohibitive right like it doesn't sound like bedrock can't do that right it just feels like it's just not there yet or for whatever reason hasn't been you know included and that kind of creativity kind of limit is just like well if you can put banners on shield in java why can't you put banners on shield in bedrock because a lot of the times you know um uh, aragon tiger's eye in the chat is saying that uh bedrock has multi-threading and thus can use modern processors better than uh So if it's better and can take advantage of processors better than Java, why can't you put banners on shields like that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, well, those kind of parody things, it feels weird that they're not in the game. That to me is just strange. But I I just find that Bedrock to me, and it's probably just what you're used to. um, It just feels weird. Like, it just it doesn't feel the same as Java. Even something as simply as moving around the world just doesn't feel the same.
1: Yeah, in my experience, Bedrock feels kind of weird and floaty, like everything is happening like a few milliseconds after your inputs, which I don't know if that's mm. the case for everybody or if it's just my computer setup, but it does feel like this very slight input lag that just feels a little bit disorienting to me because Java is a little bit more responsive. Um, The same is true of, you were talking about, you know, messing around in creative mode on Bedrock Edition. Um, In creative mode on Java, there is a certain amount of inertia that your character has when you're flying around. You will kind of slow to a stop. Whereas in Bedrock, again, I think on Bedrock, because of mobile players, you stop dead as soon as you stop moving. That is it. You don't move any further than that. And yeah, I really think that's because of mobile players ultimately, and it just being a bit more precise to do that and less kind of finicky to control but transitioning between the two is very, very strange.
0: I'd love to be able to turn that on and off in Java. Like yeah. I would love to have a preference toggle, right? A, t-
1: a toggle for it would be great, yeah. And, and along those lines, I feel like many of the things that are now missing from Bedrock for me, aside from technical things like mob spawning, which I know is probably limited once again for performance and is kind of capped uh, based on not wanting to generate 70 mobs in a small space like you can in Java edition for, for performance reasons on those older devices, I really think it comes down to small quality of life features that you find mostly in the settings menu. Having subtitles in Bedrock seems like it should be a priority for accessibility at this point, and likewise... Individual volume sliders are really like one of my holdouts as far as Bedrock Edition goes. Because when I've been playing in RTX, I've had all of the sound effects turned all the way up because it's one slider so that I can hear mob noises and so that I can be aware of my surroundings. But then when I get hit by something, even if I take full damage, the snap sound effect that plays when you take any kind of damage <laughs> has jump scared me when I've been playing Bedrock Edition because of yeah. how sudden and loud it is. And yeah. I, have, I think that's probably part of the player sound slider on Java, and I usually have that turned down to about 50% because I understand that I'm taking damage. That happens while you're playing the game, but it's just enormously loud and very sharp in my headphones when I'm playing on, on Bedrock Edition. But I need it to be that loud so I can hear a bat in the neighboring cave, you know? Mm-hmm. Volume sliders just seem like you know a no-brainer at this point and I'm surprised that stuff like that hasn't made its way into bedrock already that's that's the kind of like granular options like that that wouldn't really matter they're, they're kind of platform agnostic you know it doesn't yes. it's, it's not going to be more fiddly for a mobile player to do that because the game is paused while
0: you're doing it yeah no i agree Next email is about Minecraft Dungeons, and it comes from Tyler, another landscape artist member of our Patreon. Uh, Minecraft Dungeons portals. I was listening to episode 104, where we were talking about uh, Mojang adding Nether biomes to Minecraft Dungeons, and I think there could be another an end portal at the spawn. Uh, that spawn, maybe after you've defeated the Arch Illager on Adventure and Apocalypse difficulty, that could bring you into a new DLC-like area. Do you think this is a good idea thanks tyler ps i became one of your patrons recently and i'm really enjoying it well thanks very much for becoming a, a patron welcome to the fold and thanks to everyone that emailed in this week everyone uh, on the email list this week is a patron and uh supporting the podcast so i very much appreciate that uh i would imagine that the nether and the end expansions for minecraft dungeons would be simple not just dlc like i think they will be dlc i don't think yes. you're going to be able to unlock it without uh purchasing it um now refresh my memory is adventure the base difficulty
1: Uh, default is the base difficulty adventure Uh, is the medium and and apocalypse is the last one after that okay
0: so the only gate i think they should put uh this kind of gameplay behind is the single defeat of the arch ilger on default yeah uh the first difficulty not everyone me enjoys boss fights uh like the arch ilger and i think that While I agree that you should have to accomplish the game and beat the game before you access the DLC once, I don't think putting extra content behind uh, adventure or apocalypse is going to be received very well by uh, all players. Because, I mean, people have got different difficulties. You gotta remember, sometimes this is uh, viewed as as kiddo's first dungeon crawler, right? So parents might be playing with young kids and, and having this kind of stuff gated behind a very difficult fight might not be enjoyable for all. Um, so, I, I, think, I think that, that uh, it will be DLC, but I think that they should just leave it to that, a single defeat of the Arch Illager.
1: Yes, uh, I agree. And there is actually a nether portal in the camp already that is only accessible oh, right. once you've beaten the Arch Illager. Um, this might be a spoiler for a few people if you haven't got that far yet, but once you beat the Arch Illager and return to camp, a few piston spring platforms appear, sort of on the northeastern side of the map and you can bounce your way over those to get to the uh the cathedral there's a drawbridge that is kind of like you know is up and only accessible from the other side to to lower it and that allows you to access this kind of cathedral area where there's a little bit more um you know hints at some of the secrets that are out there in minecraft dungeons but there is also a nether portal over there that just has like a a chest with emeralds in it that you can collect and is not active yet but you can see them maybe using that as a portal to uh to the nether dimension when eventually that arrives as DLC because we've seen previews of the nether and the end being used as settings for upcoming DLC they they showed that very briefly in a trailer at Minecraft Live so you're definitely on the money there Tyler i think it is um yeah it it is likely in fact confirmed that they are in, in implementing the nether in some form in Minecraft dungeons in future it just depends whether you're going to access them through this broken nether portal that's at the camp or not. I would presume that that's either there as an easter egg to let players know, yeah, there is more to this game than is available right now, or it's there so that they can convert it into a working nether portal in future and have that be the gateway to new content.
0: And I should add that our inbox is so busy. One thing I forgot to check was when Tyler sent this email, in. it could have been... I'd have to look back, but I, I if episode 104, that was before... That was well before Minecraft Live, yeah. so yeah. Tyler Mary, Tyler might have predicted <laughs> some <laughs> of the clips from Minecraft Live. There you go. Uh, one last email
1: before we move on to a brief discussion topic here. This is from Ron L, a landscape artist member of the Discord once again, and the subject is Keep Inventory hi joel and johnny big fan of the podcast and landscape artist for the patreon i was wondering what you guys think about keep inventory as a bedrock edition player and someone who's terrible at pvp i hate the struggle of having to go and get my stuff from wherever i die the introduction of the Piglin Brute will make me want to go to Bastions even less, since the only unique thing there is Gilded Blackstone, which is pretty ugly. I know Azumavoid says he wishes he could play with Keep Inventory on. So do you guys also want to use Keep Inventory? I know Johnny doesn't play on a server, but maybe on the Survival Guide. Love the show. Ron L. Thanks, Ron. Um, Personally, I'm kind of a fan of the die and lose everything aspect of minecraft it's always just felt like part of the survival game for me and maybe that's again coming from the xbox 360 edition when i started where it still wasn't possible to enable stuff like that i think even as an option or if it was then it definitely disabled achievements on the the xbox consoles to uh to to turn on any kind of cheats or like optional settings like that turn on creative mode same thing um so personally i don't think keep inventory has ever really been part of it for me and i feel like uh because i'm such a fan of the default game and keep inventory as a game rule is off by default i think i just i I gravitate towards that aspect of the game but i i bear no ill will like no judgment on anybody who chooses keep inventory as an option because i think ultimately we've talked about this a few times on the show before the game should feel how you want it to feel and you should be happy playing the game how you want to play it I don't think peer pressure of any kind, you know, really should exist in a community as broad as Minecraft and with as many different uh, approaches and creative disciplines and Uh, you know broader range of ways to play than minecraft has Um, so if anybody ever tries to shame you uh, for using keep inventory uh, (laughs) tell them tell them Pixarif says it's okay because to be honest yeah I i don't see any problem with people wanting to use it if it just makes their experience a little bit smoother especially if you're not a fan of the combat
0: which i know a lot of people aren't exactly yeah if you're using it to build an adventure and explore and you want that chill experience then then having that kind of stuff set you back is is a pain I, th- I think also too it depends on your time like if you're a busy adult and and you've got lives and soccer practice to run kids to and you only have 45 minutes a week to play minecraft and you die and you lose everything then it's like that's frustrating you know yeah uh, i i agree with you i feel like for me to enjoy the survival game because the citadel is end game it's a three and a half year old server give or take a few months. Uh, you're pretty you're kind of op and so you you have to have some sort of penalty to make it like it, to make you feel at least like you have to be aware of what you're doing in the nether and not just running around willy-nilly and not caring uh and so that we enjoy that though that's part of the uh oh gosh i have to go through this portal you know for some of our members they really don't like going to the nether um and so for me i'm always on the fence because uh when i was playing around with the all of fabric 3 mod pack they had a grave mod in there and for the life of me i cannot find the name of it i looked three times so hence one of the reasons why i'm not into as much modding right now is because i do find it very difficult to track down things like that Uh, it should be a lot easier in my opinion however when you died your stuff was then put into a grave you still had to go get it you showed up naked as the day that you spawned in you know back at wherever your last bed was uh, and you had to go get your stuff but all of your stuff was in a grave so you didn't have that time sync setback of having to get all of your armor back and all you know like if you lost an elytra like you didn't have to worry about that you still had to go get it you so you had to have backup gear in a plan or you're on your own <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that was cool because as as a modded player i didn't really care about the survival aspect of the game i wanted more to explore the mods explore the new blocks and the new mechanics and see what i could do so dying was more of like a time setback for me Um, So I liked the way that they did that. Now, one thing that I really liked about um, the, the, um, the graves is that they also memorized where your things were in your inventory. So as soon as you clicked on that grave, everything was exactly how you left it as if you had just paused the game Uh, and so that as a content creator and as someone that was exploring modded i i did kind of enjoy enjoy that and i kind of wonder whether there's room in minecraft for some sort of in between like i know there's a setting right now to turn it on or off but i think it could be kind of fun to have you know some sort of mechanic or even something where like you had to I don't know, not necessarily pay, but like you you have to access your grave by bringing something else with you. Like you could only unlock a grave if you had, I don't know, uh, another star, or maybe that's a little bit extreme, but like, you know, some sort of gold. Like maybe you have to pay with gold to unlock the grave. Something like that that would cost something because um, in Borderlands, again, to bring this up in our pre-show, when you die in Borderlands, you you, you get re... reconstituted basically you're scanned before you go into a level and when you die they they teleport you back in and it just costs you money you don't lose any gu- items you don't lose any guns you don't nothing you just you just get rescanned in and it costs you in-game currency and so like that could be kind of a, a thing as well uh also two two points uh two joel points for the blackstone slam Hold
1: on. <laughs> yes absolutely um ginger lily in our live chat has a really good point uh of trying and keep inventory once then promptly put on a curse of binding helmet accidentally only to discover that dying didn't get rid of it because of keep inventory so that was the end of that <laughs> And yeah, that is a very good point. I've <laughs> I've tested that a couple of times. In fact, once in a hardcore playthrough of 1.9, back when Dinnerbone first uh, issued the challenge of wouldn't it be cool if people were able to get the how did we get here advancement in hardcore? I went to an end city, I got really far along with my playthrough and ended up putting on a curse of binding chest plate and then couldn't wear elytra and couldn't die because I was in hardcore. So the same kind of issue kind of applies there. The only way of doing that at that point would be to have mobs break the armor for you, basically have it run out of durability. And that would just be a pain, it would be a setback, it would mean probably multiple deaths or at least a long period of like standing there spamming regeneration potions while zombies hit you, you know, it doesn't sound very convenient to me. So I-, I entirely agree. That's that's one of many reasons. I feel like a lot of the, the optional game rules, like turning fire spread off, for example, have like interesting... Uh, you know downsides to them they're a double-edged sword a lot of the time sometimes people will want to clear large areas of forest and just think okay i'll light a fire here or there with a flint and steel and let the fire just burn away all of the leaves but if you have fire spread turned off because you don't want fire to spread elsewhere in your world you can't do it so it feels like it makes a lot of sense to to have you know optional downsides i feel like to some of these game rules as well
0: well, thanks again to uh, everyone writing in this week. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the, the patronage. And once again, that is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com for these uh, short and punchy and, and interesting emails. Really appreciate those.
1: Very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's do a quick kind of uh, a roundtable about one of the features I wanted to touch on from the Caves and Cliffs update announcement, which is Crystal Geodes. Um, I wanted to briefly run down a few points, just a few talking points for this. Uh, For a start, we know that they are going to have unmovable blocks on which the crystals are going to grow, Uh, so having, you know, a a brief discussion about that, Um, I honestly think there might be a use for more uses for amethyst, although that, again, might be a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, Is there the opportunity for them to implement more colours than just purple, sort of magenta purple amethyst? and uh what are those two blocks coating the outside of the geode and how can i have them now (laughs) is uh (laughs) my main thing but yes uh, i think the main thing to take away from crystal geodes aside from the fact that you know we have access to these growing crystals now is the fact that access for them is going to be restricted to where you find the geode how do you feel about mechanics like this when they pop up joel how do you feel when you first learned that a mob spawner
0: was not movable and not obtainable in any way hmm it's funny that you mentioned the mob spawner because i actually don't mind that those are not movable i i mean i appreciate how cool it is when you can move them in like mod packs and people create like crazy you know five spawner farms for Mm -hmm. xp and stuff but and that still requires a lot of work uh the but the more i think about blocks in terms of how we're seeing these geodes in, in the screenshots that we've had uh the less i feel like i like the idea of an unmovable block uh, I feel like it kind of goes against the core of the game. While I understand that the function of bedrock at the respective Y level borders is there because they need to keep players from either falling out the bottom of the world uh, or or um, trying to you know encourage that the the nether is meant to be contained. Um, I I feel like not being able to move things is just going to be frustrating, unless those things are not movable, but then you can still craft them. Uh-huh. like yeah. through the things that you can collect even though you can't mine what you see can you collect of enough of what you find there to then create them uh are they things that will grow i don't think they will but are they things that will grow similar to how uh, mycelium will spread for example uh, or how um, players asked for a long time to have renewable puzzle so then when they added uh the fact that pods will generate under two by two spruce trees yeah you can grow them uh it's a way for players to get them that way uh because again i think players are just like they didn't want to go all the way to try to find the super rare mega tiger biome to try to get what little podzel was there if they mm-hmm. wanted to use it in their builds and so i think that minecraft has come up with different ways over the last few years to add those kind of um capabilities to players for different kinds of gameplay and i think it just opens up doors and allows players that don't have as much time as others to go in there and still have the same experience and so when it comes to unmovable blocks and and um these the geodes and stuff i i get what they're trying to do i know they want you to explore the world and and go far afield but uh, and I think you can still do that by having to find them in the first place. It's like looking for diamonds or looking for, um, or a good example, I guess, would be like things like Elytra, like you really have to go out there to, to get something, but it's worth it in the end. Um, I just think that they need to have some sort of balance.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree. And I, I definitely see unobtainable and unmovable blocks being very polarizing in the community. And I like mm. the idea of having to travel to find cool stuff like this and, I I quite like some of the aspects of the game that force you to work with certain restrictions because it means you can have fun and creative ideas figuring out how to travel to that location if you want to farm these crystals more frequently. I think on the flip side of that, anybody who is upgrading an old world from the current version of Minecraft to 1.17 is potentially traveling thousands of blocks to find one of these. Um... And that might end up being why they're keeping crafting recipes for these amethyst crystals relatively minimal from what we've seen they're just used to make a telescope Um, and i think more uses for amethyst might be nice um, aside from decoration Um, but i think yeah you're gonna run into the issue of people thinking well i want to be able to build with this and i can't you know it, it is both you know a nice looking building block and one that you will have to incorporate into a build at the location of those crystals unless we can maybe craft some sort of inert form of the crystal block which doesn't produce more crystals necessarily but can at least be farmed and crafted and then used in builds somewhere and i think that's that's an odd compromise for them to make especially at this stage of the game where we're so used to everything being farmable and renewable and craftable and most of it being something you can manipulate. I still get people asking me, wait a minute, can't you silk touch spawners? I've seen people move spawners before. How did they do that? And everybody sort of expects every aspect of the game to be manipulated. And I wonder if amethyst crystals and the the, the unmovable block portion of that are maybe a sign that they want to move in those directions and they're sort of gauging interest in whether or not they could introduce elements like that in future. If there could be more stuff that requires you to travel to a specific location beyond just you know the biome itself has properties like a river biome is where drowned spawn or squid or something like that and that's the reason for players to travel once they get a bit more technical with their game
0: yeah and like even just the more we talk about spawners as a comparison like i would be okay if minecraft said well now you can move spawners and they maybe they implement some hard to get tool to do it Maybe they only put it behind a, a netherite silk touch pickaxe. You know, now that netherites in the game, like it adds that extra extra tier to just not be able to do it with your average silk touch pickaxe. Uh, but if they then said that you could craft spawners, I'd be like, wow, well, well that takes the kind of the the rarity out of finding a spawner yeah. in a dungeon, right? It takes the excitement out of it. So I can see that there's you know there'd be a delicate balance there. Um, to go back to your uh, earlier comment about your, your um, uh, the science teacher was it your sister or sister-in-law? My sister, yeah. Your sister, um, quartz. Uh, well, amethyst is actually a, a variety of quartz. Yeah. And there are multiple different colors of quartz variety, including blue quartz, uh, citrine, which is uh, yellow, uh, milky quartz, which is actually pretty close to what nether quartz looks like in Minecraft right now, rose quartz, which is kind of a pink, smokey, smoky quartz, which is a, like a translucent gray, uh, and uh, Perseolite, I hope I pronounced that right, which is kind of green. So I think there's some potential there to open up more building blocks and cool things like you said like more technical things that might be able to happen with amethyst but none of that matters if you can't move it
1: yeah yeah and and that that's that's kind of part of it for me as well is you know i wonder if you can you can start to work different colors into the crystals for for decorative purposes um And even if it's not amethyst, you could start throwing in stuff like topaz, sapphire, fluorite. You know, fluorite comes in a whole variety of colors like quartz does. And you could also find quartz... If amethyst is a, a variant of quartz, do you end up maybe adding amethyst in as an alternative to quartz in crafting recipes that require nether quartz? Or do they still want comparators and observers to be used... Uh, once you've got access to the Nether, are they still progression gated behind the Nether, or mm. is traveling in the Overworld to the extent where you've managed to find one of these Crystal Geodes, if they are presumably quite rare, going to be enough? You know, is that going to be the equivalent of going to the Nether, considering that those Redstone devices aren't really required for the the kind of story progression, for want of a better term? You know, it's it's not like you're going to the Nether to get Observer crafting materials and then that allows you to get to the ender dragon you know um and so that's really just like a a, a gateway to certain redstone technology as it were
0: i'd love to have an amethyst observer like if that was just an an alt recipe you know like you could just do that without having to go to the nether because we know we just mentioned in one of the emails about like keep inventory and some players don't like pve and combat and stuff like i mean if you could get a little bit farther redstone wise without having to go to the nether especially now that your nether spawn might be in the middle of a soul sand valley yes so <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. like there there could be some there could be some some setbacks there for people that don't like all aspects of the game and having alternatives i think is great
1: yeah not a whole lot of quartz and a basalt delta either yeah so no yeah that, true that does kind of make sense um The other thing I wanted to touch on very briefly here is those two outer layers of the geode. We've seen screenshots from the Caves and Cliffs update in the live show. We'll put one in the show notes as well, so you guys can be a little bit more clear on what we are talking about here. But there are definitely two blocks on the outside of a geode. One is a slightly lighter, almost like marbly white kind of material, and the other one is a darker grey and is sort of closer to what I was hoping from uh basalt blocks in a way so i'm kind of wondering what exactly those blocks are they didn't go into too much detail about uh what these what any of the kind of newer blocks were like the wall material in the deep dark when they talked about the warden is also a new type of stone that doesn't exist currently and we're not certain what that is either but they are still playing their cards close to the chest in terms of what some of these new materials maybe they've got you know names are still placeholders or something like that they didn't feel like announcing it or maybe the the overall feature was probably a little more um more important to them than the details like that but to me as a builder that's the stuff that intrigues me i'm wondering is that just going to be a solid block are we going to get slabs and stairs for those in the same way that we have with the naturally occurring stone types like diorite and andesite is it going to be craftable further from there into bricks and stuff like that or are we just looking at uh these two variants of blocks and that's it i think either way i would like to have them (laughs) i think the 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 white one in particular does have that kind of like that marble uh almost like marble pillar quality that is still sort of lacking from diorite and quartz because quartz seems too clean and diorite seems too messy this feels like a very middle ground very good middle ground to me and the sort of more tough looking stuff around the outside the the kind of like the hardened stone is, is what i'm looking at it thinking it might be um yeah that that seems like a really nice balance of gray it's got darker patches and a lighter patches in it and definitely looks a little bit more um it's got more texture in it than the standard stone block does but not in a bad way for me
0: yeah and adding adding to the light gray gradient in your grays in minecraft is a good thing because they tend to be they tend to go from white to blocks that are white that you don't want to use to medium gray. Yeah. There doesn't t- there's not a lot of like that 30%, 20% kind of range. Um, and or if there is in things like concrete, they have like a, a hue to them where they're like a little bit warm or a little bit cool depending on which, you know, what you're using. And I find that that then just doesn't work with the more neutral stone and stone brick and things like that. Um, but yeah, I I I'm really it's funny like they announced caves and cliffs so far uh, ahead of when it's supposed to come out that uh i'm really starting to get interested in what information we're going to start to get in uh snapshots when they eventually start coming out because yeah. i like there's there's a lot of things that are just in screenshots that people have been picking up on where they said next to nothing about yeah like uh, candles so like, in the deep dark and so yeah, forth. yeah exactly exactly so so yeah i'm i'm curious to see what other kind of materials and i'm hoping as we've said before um I'm not sure whether we can dub it the Strider effect or what, but I feel like some of the things that they've added in the last little while, like netherite, striders, uh, skulk sensors, like they are left field Minecraft fun. And I and I feel like uh I'm hoping that they'll kind of continue that with these geodes and they'll they'll make them interesting in, in a in a multi-use Minecraft way as opposed to just a static thing because I feel like everybody is we've got the static thing with the dungeons, um, and the only thing that you can't move from a dungeon is just the spawner, everything else you can mine up, right? So,
1: yeah, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see where those lines are drawn and what player feedback, uh, what kind of role player feedback plays in all of this. Um, and if you have any feedback for us about any of the stuff that we've talked about today, of course, the email once again is spawn chunk mail at gmail.com is the place to go and we'd love to read out more emails on the show we've read a few today and everyone has a, a really interesting perspective on stuff that Joel and I may not have thought of or stuff that we want to expand our thoughts upon so keep sending those emails in for now that's going to be it for this Episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in by visiting patreon.com/slash the spawn chunks and signing up with a pledge there to join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live, you can get access to the extended version of the podcast, the render distance, and it also gets us close to our next milestone goal which is a monthly minecraft audio hangout where just like an episode of the podcast but privately with our patrons we hang out in the live show chat channel and just chat about what everyone's been doing in minecraft lately we are currently at 215 patrons we have had honey bunches of people joining since last week so thank you so much everybody who's just popped in anyone who's listening to the show for the first time Thank you. A special thanks go out to our content engineers Dilken 7, General Pattern 82, Greena Canuck, JD Williamson
0: and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the the best way to support the show. Just poke a friend from a safe distance in the arm and say, hey, you should listen to the Spawn Chunks and let them know where they can find it. You can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and now uh, Amazon Music. Leave us a star rating or review on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or your favorite podcast media platform. That's a great way to help strangers discover the show. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do
1: at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. You can also check out the RTX series that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, and this week or the next we will be finishing off the hunt for all of the ancient debris I need for my netherite beacon. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and and instagram joel where can people find you online
0: everything i do online is at joelduggan.com that includes links to the citadel cafe the other podcast that i do about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment i'll be joined this week by ryan murphy we're going to be talking about playstation 5 and xbox series x and the new consoles coming out this fall you can also follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and of course twitch.tv slash joelduggan where i am playing minecraft building in medieval styles and uh in sci-fi playing borderlands 3 it's a lot of fun
1: Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite. Can you see the crystal?